Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Summit Bid Podcast. Hello. Long time no see. Indeed. I am your host, Kemper. And I am your co-host, Toby. <laughs> co-host, should I say co-host first, or because there's two of us? Uh, no, I know. I feel like you're the, the official host. Am I the or? official host? I don't yeah. think, I don't feel like the official host. Well, you do the, the intros and stuff. That's true. I, I'm the one who says hello, everybody. If anyone here is an OG listener to the Exposure Compensation Photography Podcast, I was the official host of that one. That's true. You so were. I'm pleased to not be not be doing all Ex- of that Except now. when we made um, Peyton. Oh, yeah, we did. If make you are an OG it. listener, you know who Peyton is. and yeah, he You do indeed. He did it a couple times, but it was. We'll have to bring Peyton on to talk about his uh, his. Uh, his amazing TikTok account that's just exploding. That's true. We should. We should bring Peyton on. Indeed. All right. So today's just going to kind of be a photo news wrap-up day because there's a lot. Uh, I guess it's a lot. It's it's interesting stuff going on. Yeah. There's only one, I guess, like real like lens or camera that's being announced, un- like released, I guess. But there's there's some, there's, well, I the Z9 has been announced. It's just yes. we don't know that much about it. I yeah, think that's that's the twist there. Um, but the official announcement is is that we have a uh, Sony finally has a 1.2 lens, the 15 millimeter. Indeed, the the rumors that they were incapable of making a 1.2, at least a 50 millimeter 1.2, have been. Uh, have like, been yes exactly. <laughs> I guess destroyed. I don't right. know who believed you know, that. But. I don't know that anyone because there's been 1.2 glass from other companies on Sony for a long time. Like Miticon and stuff. Yeah, I mean, then I think they're all 50s, right? Uh, as far as I know, yes, they are 50s. But we know you can put like you can put the Canon 50 uh, or 85 1.2 on there, the old EF mount one with right. an adapter and right. stuff. Right. Right. So. so I don't know. I mean, I, I don't. I mean, I feel like that's a little bit was a uh, a red herring or whatever you would say. Like, I haven't actually heard that that much, and everyone's saying like that's what everyone always said that it wasn't possible. And I don't know. I think it's kind of funny that that's been the discussion point about this lens. Well, I think in in 2018 when Canon and Nikon released their uh, their new mounts, which granted. Uh, Nikon led with a 0.95 lens, which is a little faster than 1.2. Yes. Yeah, it's um, a little faster. Uh, you know, granted, didn't have autofocus, a bunch of other like quirky things about that specific lens. But the whole idea was, is oh, the bigger flange distance allows faster apertures. I actually don't know if that's really the advantage that they're they're trying to say. Maybe it allows better image quality at higher apertures. Who Who knows? But I think it's more about like the the size and weight and the right the and the, the wide angle. Works. I think there's more you can do with wide angle with a bigger mount. Mm-hmm. Um, from my understanding, I don't think it has as much to do with aperture. So, but anyway, I mean, this seems like an amazing lens from all accounts. It's um, a little smaller, a little lighter and a little cheaper than the um, Canon and Nikon version. So I guess that's a nice um, bonus for Sony. Yeah, for sure. Which, you know, and that that means it fits better with Sony ergonomics because I don't know that like the the fifty the fifty one two Nikon, which is kind of quite big, would even be that. Com- well, I guess it's about the same size as the one thirty five. Yeah, for sure. G Master, so it's a it's a notch a little smaller. It's about the same size, and everyone says that it's super sharp. Like obviously, we haven't been using it at all, but um, so if you could 
really quickly look in the um or I'm I'm looking in the BNH specs panel. Uh-huh. And it looks like the minimum focusing distance is 40 centimeters, which is um, I don't know. Is if it's looks like it says 15.7 inches, which is pretty far. Yeah, that's not amazing. Uh, let me convert 40 centimeters to inches though. I'm wondering if it's a glitch. Um because I don't know that 40 centimeters is 15 inches. Could be. It is 15 inches, exactly. Well, the reason why I'm saying that is, is I have Canon's RF pulled up here. Um, oh, I guess it, it's it's translating it to feet, maybe 1.3 feet. Um, which would be about 15 which inches. Which would be about 15 inches. So it's inches. almost exactly the same. It's almost exactly yeah. the same. And then uh, Nikon's is 1.5 feet. Uh, it's funny how they have it for Canon and Nikon. It's in feet, and for Sony, it's in inches. It is. The specs on B&H, in some ways, they're the easiest to reference, but they're all over the place on what they say. Like, mm -hmm. sometimes it says grams for weight instead of pounds. You know, this is a 1.7 pound, um, which is, that's a little lighter than the, the Canon and Nikon. The Canon and Nikon are around 2 pounds. Mm -hmm. The 2.09 so, pounds for Canon, 2.4 pounds for Nikon. Uh, something, you know, I've watched several videos about this lens and something that I haven't seen much about is the transmission. I'd be, I'd be very curious as to whether what the T-stops on it are. Because mm -hmm. um, yeah. I know that that 1.2 lenses oftentimes are 1.4 T-stop, like the 35.12 from Sigma. Also, that's on Sony and it's 1.2. So that's mm -hmm. super funny that everyone was like, Ha, Sony in your face, and it's like all there's been 1.2 lenses on Sony for a long time, but yeah, for sure. Anyway, it's kind of funny, but that lens, the transmission is still only 1.4, maybe even not quite 1.4. I've heard that mm -hmm. several times. It's you know, it's got that the 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 background blur is is 1.2, but the actual light transmission mm -hmm. isn't isn't 1.2. So, um, and I believe Canon's is pretty, from what I understand, is very close to 1.2. And I, I don't know about the Nikon one. The Nikon one's a little bit of a mystery to me. I've not researched that lens much at all. Mm -hmm. So the little bit of research I've done on it, just sort of more because I was watching a bunch of videos on the 518 um, on a lens hunt I've been on for a while, um, which yeah. we can maybe talk about later. But um, it seems like it's a great, very sharp lens like it just seems like it's a good lens I, I don't like the thing is is pretty soon we're going to get comparisons of the three lenses i'm sure oh yeah um and then yeah, those videos are coming we're really gonna get a, a viewpoint the only thing with those videos that sometimes bothers me is is it's you know there is copy variation within lenses even right. high-end glass like this yeah and you could crucify a lens because you just had a bad copy or something in those kinds of comparison videos like I understand that it would be really hard to get in like three of each lens or something and test them for the best one and then test those against each other or something like that, but copy variation is a real thing. Yeah. Um, within lenses, so it's always it's always interesting when people compare them and it's like, well, this lens is sharper than that lens. It's like, well, you know, when you're talking about such minuscule differences, which I'm sure they're small between these lenses from right. an image quality perspective. Um, you could definitely see uh, 
that just causing some misnomers for people about which lens is the sharpest, I guess. Well, and another issue is, is that like, you're also then comparing the three different cameras too. you know, that's very true. Like there's a lot of, and how the cameras process the lens data, like, you know, the corrections you can turn on and off sort of now, but that's even getting fuzzier and fuzzier. The camera companies are doing more and more automatic corrections Mm-hmm. That's why you have to do firmware updates to even use a lens. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. um, the 100 to 500 is an example of that. Um, the 24 to 200 on the Nikon Z7, mm-hmm. it, the, the lens wouldn't even work really uh, when you put it on it. And then, then I updated the firmware and it worked fine. So yeah. that's kind of funny. That is funny, yeah. But um, yeah, so I mean, there's not a whole lot to talk about with this lens. It's a 51.2. There's a lot of those out, so. Mm-hmm. Once again, Sony is is very good at getting their lens into a bunch of people's hands. Yes. That's just textbook. They do a really good job of doing that at this point. And I think it, it really helps their... I think it, it actually really helps their, at least online presence, when you talk about the community that's actually on YouTube and stuff. I think mm-hmm. it does help that community make purchasing decisions. Um, and jump on lenses yeah. that maybe they otherwise yeah. wouldn't jump on uh, or wouldn't really pay that much attention to. And there's 10 new videos about it. And generally speaking, very positive because I'm sure it's a great lens. Um, yes. And it is nice that it's the same size as the 51.4 Zeiss mm-hmm. um, that they've had. So that's, you know, that's always been, you know, the the difference between 1.4 and 1.2 isn't isn't that much and that's always been part of it is that to get 1.2 you have to get such a bigger lens mm-hmm. um and to have it be the same size that's that's a that's a great bonus and i feel like it just means that the 50 going for this will be the 50 for sony going forward mm-hmm. um you know i'm not a, a a gigantic 50 fan i it's oftentimes a lens that has really great image quality so i've shot with them before mm-hmm but I've not uh, ever just loved it. You know, it, it, it's, it's so, you know, it's, it's kind of a normal, it's called the normal focal length, right? Because mm-hmm. it's kind of what your eye, I guess, is able to focus on um, is about 50 millimeters, is that your mental perception. Mm-hmm. And so, as you know, I, I shoot panos, I've shot panos with 50s before and, and liked some of them. Mm-hmm. But... Generally speaking, like for landscape photography, just a 50 shot, I, you know, I definitely, they definitely happen, mm-hmm. but it's, it's never been a perfect match for me. So, you know, I'm always, 50, I always go back and forth with 50s because, you know, you can get this outstanding image quality with them. Mm-hmm. Like for instance, when I was shooting Sony, the 55.18, that lens, really great image quality. I just never wound up using it that much. Mm-hmm. So... My main experience with a 50 mil is on an APS-C camera, so it's 75 millimeter uh, field of view anyway. Right, right. Um, but for a while, I, I had the D500, and I had the AFD 50 mil, um, and we I took it out in the fall. of This was like right. three or four years ago, um, and I actually really enjoyed that, but that is more of an 85 field right, of view. Right, which I like for landscape, yeah. yeah. And I feel like... I feel like Honestly, 50 millimeters, like 75, a little bit wider than 85. Mm. Um, 
you know, I, I actually feel like that was a really good, um, sort of just have a fun, have fun lens, uh, 50 mil on an APS-C camera. Cause it's just, it's a really nice kind of in between. A lot length. of people shoot with that combo because mm-hmm. they have nifty 50. So it's so, you know, you get a cheap APS-C lens, mm-hmm. I mean, a, a cheap APS-C body, and then you get the full frame nifty 50 cause it's 150 bucks mm-hmm. for years and years and years. It used to be that. So I think a lot of people, the 75 is, that's what they think of 50. And then they get it on full frame and they're like, oh, it's wider and mm-hmm. different. <laughs> yeah. And 35 in the end, I think I prefer 35 over 50 just in general. Generally speaking, yes. And when, I, when I'm doing focal lengths, I like 35 to 24. Like if I'm using a 2470, I generally shoot 35 to 24 and then between 60 and 70. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I do 40, 40 can be interesting, mm-hmm. but, but 50, you know, it, it, but that's part of the advantage of it is that it's, it's not, it's not telephoto. It's not wide. It's not, you know, it's not extreme. So you can do a lot of things with it, mm-hmm. but when I do feel like it helps you get a little bit like for portraits, 85 can turn into a little constricted feeling and it's just a little more relaxed with 50 mil. Um, those kind of portraits just tend to be a little bit more. There's more environment around them. And with a one, two on all of these lenses, you still get a lot of ability to still blow out the background. Similarly to like a 51, four, um, excuse right. me, an 85, one, four, but you get a little bit wider field of view. So you can do more context, have more bokeh, right? Right. Those kinds of, uh, kind of stylistic decisions. So do you think an 85, one, two is coming for Sony? Hmm. Well, Probably. The question is, is if the uh, if the mount can handle eighty five. Oh wow! Yeah, and um, that's really the question. I think my prediction is yes. It's not that urgent for Sony. Like the focus isn't that great on the eighty five G Master, but the image quality is outstanding. Mm-hmm. I've used that lens a lot. There's a lot of images in this gallery um, taken with that lens. Mm-hmm. So that was that's probably my favorite Sony lens. Um, you know, and that's probably part of the problem is that, that was kind of the only lens I really loved with Sony. I mean, the the one thirty five I did and mm-hmm. the twenty four. So like, those were the lenses that I loved with Sony. But the the zoom lenses and and several other ones, I just never never fully fell in love with. So mm-hmm. when you got to play with the Canon fifty one two, I did well. get to play with it, and it was an amazing, beautiful lens. It just again, it just came down to, I just don't reach for fifty. Mm-hmm. You know, so it just, it became not worth that, that expensive lens. I just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't justify it. So, all right. All right. Well, we can move on to, we should probably talk about, oh, well, I guess we can just real quick address that there's a new version of Lightroom out. Mm-hmm. Uh, 10.2, there's performance improvements. They're doing a tethered live view for Nikon beta. So this is interesting. It's an actual... It's not tethered shooting. It's it's a tethered live view that has controls for focus and camera controls and stuff. So you can I bet I you could change the aperture and shutter speed and stuff like that. So that's very interesting. It says it's still a beta. So, but you know, you can try that out. And support for new cameras and lenses. So that's kind of um so it's a small update, but it's not as big as the new Photoshop update, which I don't know if you heard about that. I have not heard about that. That added basically um, resolution. You can up the resolution in camera raw. Mm-hmm. 
of the of an image, you can oh, it, it, the default is to double it. Um, it seems to work okay. I haven't actually played around with it yet, mm. but it seems to work okay from from what I've seen. But um, it's and it's what's interesting is is that it's kind of convoluted how to get to it. But um, you should check that out. And you know what? Maybe um, this week um, I'll try to play with it, mm-hmm. and uh, we can talk about it on the next on the next podcast if it's if it's uh, significant. Indeed, or maybe even make a video about it. Eh? So. Uh, Canon has a couple of, of, of big rumors. One's kind of a sure thing. The the firmware update for the R5 and the R6 seems, mm-hmm. and the 1DX Mark III, for those who are using that, seems very imminent. Mm-hmm. That's going to add um, C-Log3, raw, Cinema Raw Light, and uh, 1080-120. For the R- R5, yeah. For the R5, yeah. This is actually a somewhat of a big deal because the major critique against uh, Canon's uh, R5 and R6 was definitely that the dynamic range was lower than the other camera companies. Um, definitely lower than right. Sony and Panasonic. Right. In the in log. In log. Uh, we're talking like you could get 11 stops max um, out of the R6 and, and R5. And now with C-Log3, it should bring it up to about 13, which is very... Um, comparable. Very comparable to the competition. I mean, cool. in practicality, it's like 12.5, probably more. Uh, of course, Canon also released the uh, um, C70, which has like 16 stops or something crazy like that. Yeah. Um, love the image off the C70. Every time I see a video shot on that, I, I get a little FOMO, but it's okay. We'll just let that go. And... Uh, uh, 1080-120p on the R5 makes a ton of sense. Like, yeah, it kind of is odd that that wasn't there to start with. That's one of those features. It's just like, what are you doing? Partly because the 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 120, the 4K 120 is, is a pain to edit. Mm-hmm. And then also, I, I would hope that this 1080-120 isn't where it has to be slow-mo with no audio, like mm-hmm. the 4K 120 is. Like, it has no audio and it has to be slow, whereas this you can do speed ramps and, and stuff like that. Mm. I, I guess you could do speed limits by just manually speeding it up, but it's a whole, it would be, this is going to be easier for, I think some people. And then, you know. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's going to be just easier to store and record. And it's, it, you know, the R5 and R6 still are kind of legendary for having, uh, being difficult codecs to edit. So any sort yeah, of. Yeah. A lot of people are having issues with it. Um, Tyler Stallman was just talking about in his recent podcast that he's, He's frustrated editing R5 footage. I never had a lot of problem with it, but, you know, I edited quite a few. Mm-hmm. Does he use Premiere? No, no, no. He is a huge Final Cut. Huge Final Cut. Because he, he releases all those tutorial videos on Final Cut, so. Yeah, it, it, Final Cut, for the most part, works really well, and it makes it even worse when it slows down. <laughs> that is true. That um, is the thing with Final Cut is that it works so well most of the time. When there is an issue, it's so frustrating. Yeah. Whereas when you opened up Premiere, you kind of were you had to spend five minutes mentally preparing for the for the grind. Yeah. Sometimes. At, at least on our Apple laptops. I, yeah. I don't know. Like I don't know what I was doing wrong, but it never worked well. Yeah. Um. No matter what I did, and with the uh, Final, I mean we're repeating ourselves from the whole final cut episode, but the ability to put in graphics and track stuff and just everything's, everything's yeah, better. About basically it. just an update that the switch to final cut has continued to go very well. Yes. 
I think it, we're very happy until until the last edit was really hard for some reason. But I'm gonna I'm gonna do some research into why that happened. I think, and hopefully, I think it's it your out. hard drive was too full. That's probably it. Was probably either the hard drive was too full, or maybe it is worth storing the footage in the uh, library, even though it doubles the size of the the footage because it's copied over twice. It may be worth it just to make it a little faster, um, hmm. because like in some ways, right at the end of an edit is when I want to see it smoothly the most, because I'm like trying to put in the final final touches, um, and. Uh, Anyway, that was kind of irritating, so I'm going to see if I can solve that. But uh, do we want to move on to the the big kahuna story here? Well, we should talk about the other canon story before we do that. Oh, yeah. That it seems... Now, canon rumors claims it's confirmed that a canon EOS R5C is going to be announced this year, probably released early next year. Um. I, 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 it says a CR3, which they means that they're pretty confident. So what, what do you think about this camera? What's it going to be? I mean, is it just going to be an R5 that actually doesn't overheat or what's it going to have? It says in the rumor, I think it said, um, the same video specs as the R5, which I thought was interesting. It would be a little weird if they released a, an R5C two years later without doing something to it, though. Um, yeah, yeah. So my guess is is that they may be adding a, a fan or something uh, not dissimilar from the the A9, um, the excuse me, the A1, uh, and all of those. The A1 has a fan. Oh, sorry, the FX3. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, it sounds like just an FX3 competitor. So or it like uh, right. Right. So, um, yes. I mean, you probably have a fan. It's probably going to, I would imagine, have two CF Express card slots rather than an SD. Yeah, it probably will bet. have like dual dual recording options. Hopefully it doesn't overheat. Unlimited it. recording okay. maybe. That would be really nice, honestly. Yeah. So, but it says it, says it would come with C-Log 2 when they're just upping the R5 to C-Log 3. So that's weird. Well, I guess in that case, you'd have C-Log 1, 2, and 3. And, you know, you'd, you'd use them for different situations because right, right. they each level is flatter, which means each level is harder to grade, basically. Um, and you and think it'll have the same sensor? I mean, if it's the R5, it would make sense? Or would it have a, a lower megapixel count to have higher video quality? Well, they're probably going to want it to shoot 8K, so no, that doesn't make any sense. I, I guess they could drop it enough so it barely shoots at 8K or something. But yeah. I don't... My guess is is it's going to be like the one DC uh, from years ago, the first Canon camera that shot 4K, basically, internal. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, I, my assumption is is it's going to be similar to that where it just has a few bells and whistles, maybe a feature or two. Uh, raw video is, I think, coming becoming something rapidly that they're wanting to implement. I mean, like, for example, with the new firmware update, they're adding raw light to the R5 and the 1DX Mark III, so cinema raw light, so just an easier-to-work-with raw profile. And uh, with the new Nikon firmware update uh, that was released a little while ago with 4K60 and the better right, eye autofocus, right. they also added... They also added... Um, uh, black magic raw through the ninja 
the Atomos Ninja recorder. Right. So in Black Magic Raw, like the whole shtick with that is, is you get the benefits of Raw in a easier to edit and work with uh, file size, and it's easier to store it and everything else. So that kind of hybrid Raw arena of video shooting is definitely coming in. So we could see them try to make that a bigger deal um, in the uh, R5C potentially. Yeah, yeah, and I'm guessing it will have all the same stills uh, capabilities, so. Yeah, in theory, anyway. In theory, so, yeah, that'd be cool. May have an aliasing filter, though. Okay, so let's talk about the Z9, because this is the probably the biggest news, because it is, one, it is official, we have pictures of it, a picture of it, frustratingly, mm-hmm. and, uh, Nikon is entering the pro, the fully flagship pro line, like we thought they would. Mm-hmm. They called it the Z9, which we thought they might switch to the Z1 because they've been copying Sony so hard with some stuff mm-hmm. that we thought they might. But nope, they stuck with Z9. Well, the and, Z1's still coming. Right. You know. <laughs> and it is, so here's what we know. We know that it is, well, it's gripped. So that's exciting. We know it has a backed sensor like the A9, A1 series. Um, it may even have the same sensor as the A1. We can we know that that Nikon is still buying Sony sensors. Now they buy them. You know, there's some there's some uh, misinformation out there about that. The images won't look the same because Sony manufactures them to Nikon spec. Mm-hmm. So Nikon you know, give Sony the specs that they want Sony to manufacture for a certain thing. They don't just be like, oh, here's the same sensor from the A1, just put it in your body housing. Mm-hmm. And the images, you know, anyone who shot with a, you know, a D850 or a Z7 knows that the images look different than with an A7R or a, you know, mm-hmm. camera like that. Or even a, a like the Z6 has a very, probably has the same, Electronics yeah, the, yeah, the same the, electronics as the as the A seven three, but it looks very different. It so, does. um, but it seems like this is going to be, this is Nikon kind of Nikon was kind of going through a bad news cycle, and then they they announced this and being like, hey, you know, we're really invested in the system. Mm-hmm. Like here comes this legit camera that they say is replacing the. They literally said it was replacing the um, the D6. So, you know, they look at it as yeah, as completely the, the ultra professional, the one they want you to take to the Olympics. Although it probably won't be here for the Olympics this year. Well, that's not probably true. It probably won't be like officially there, but it will be at the Olympics in a lot of people's hands. I think that's mm-hmm. part of it. Is that they're like, hey, you're probably going to see this camera at the Olympics. My guess is that we're going to see a late July announcement, um, early to mid September release would be my, would be my bet on this camera. I'd maybe, I'd maybe push that back to, to more like the end of the year, maybe. What, what makes you think that? Well, it's just, they, uh, I think somebody was saying they really, they announced the D six and it was like nine months ish after they announced it to when the D6 was actually like on in stock on B&H. So, and I guess they, uh, I think it was Jared Poland was saying it. That's kind of consistent with like the, the D5 and stuff before that. 
Right. I guess that's true. I, I mean, I think that there's maybe a little bit more pressure on Nikon to get this out the door. Maybe it's still mm. just a camera. Not a ton of people are going to actually like. Yes, buy. but you look at so is the A1, and look at what it's done for Sony. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of taken Sony into the stratosphere a little bit. Everyone, it's kind of it, it is it is an interesting situation to me that that it has so much so similar to the R5. Mm-hmm. Yet it seems to have have gotten a uh, a level of respect. Yeah, I mean it's it's if you're still a shooter, I mean there's that very controversial Tony Northrup review of the two, the comparison between the yes. the R5 and the and the A1, that uh, the R5 kind of keeps kind of edging out the A1 in some in some very interesting like I don't know quite what to make of that review. I mm-hmm. I'll just be honest with you. Like, I like Tony Northrup generally. Mm-hmm. He does seem to have this way of getting results that no one else gets. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's either a really good thing or a really bad thing. Like, mm-hmm. it either means that, like, you're you're able to really break it down in a way that, uh, that no one else can, or you're doing something wrong. <laughs> yeah, or... Like he basically made the review that made the R5 look better, made a ton of people mad. But at the end of the review, if you actually watch the whole thing, he ends it basically saying, I like the A1 more than I like the R5. Um, mm. Like the A1 is, is in my opinion, a better camera overall than the the uh, the R5, and it better be. I mean, right. it is it's, a higher-end camera than right. the R5 It's is. much more expensive, yeah. Um, I mean, the, in the R5, you can get it now for 3300 I was just looking on uh, on eBay yesterday. So it's it's much cheaper than it used to be. Gosh, um, yeah. Wow. And, you know, you're a lot of people don't buy used, and I respect that. So you're still talking about 3900 right. uh, versus 6500 But the Z9 is trying to jump into that market. What do you think is the price that they're going to... I think it'll be 65. Camera. I think it'll be 65. I'd be a little surprised if they go above because there were that crazy uh, rumors about the R1, mm-hmm. which I, the more I look at it, the more I think they're not real. I think mm-hmm. that was a, a fake thing. And Canon rumors guy really thinks it's not real. I think that mm-hmm. the R1 will be very similar to the A1 and then this camera. Um, I think that this camera might be 60 megapixels. Um, there's been a couple of, of things bouncing around that it might have. 10 more megapixels, that's not going to make much of a difference. Difference between the difference between 42 and um, 60 isn't that big, and mm-hmm. 50 and 60 won't be that big. So, you know, very comparable. The The grip to me is a big deal. I, I have kind of always wanted a mirrorless pro gripped body like those. Mm-hmm. I just, I felt like Olympus did it several years ago, and that was really cool. Mm-hmm. I've just always kind of been waiting for someone to do it, and it seems like Nikon's going to finally do it. So that's cool. And when you kind of um, super analyze this image, you can see they're bringing in some things from their their DSLR days that I really like. You can see that they're going to have illuminated buttons because um, on the the power dial around the shutter button, you can see that you can mm-hmm. do that. They have the two-button format, which is a big deal. Um, we don't see the back of the camera at all. Mm-hmm. So we don't know whether they've done a two uh, a, a, a normal screen and then a smaller info screen mm-hmm. or whether they did one giant screen 
or or what they've done back there, but mm-hmm. a lot of real estate back a there. A lot of real estate back there in this gripped body and and it would be fun to see if they've really leveraged it in a way that that is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I've seen concepts of 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 gripped mirrorless bodies that have a square screen on the back so that a big square screen mm-hmm. so that when you're using it in either orientation, you're getting the same you know, the same size of image. Well, yeah, and then you got so much room above and below to display the information you need to see, so you can leave the image right, very clean, uh, yeah, very clean. So I've seen, I've seen concepts of that. I mean, you know, obviously we're kind of wish casting right now on on what mm-hmm. we would like to see because most likely it's going to look similar to the back of a of a of a D six. As mm-hmm. is, I would guess is that's that's what my money's on. But yeah, I mean, the front looks like a D six, right? It is smaller. A lot of people were saying like, "Wow, it's the same size as the D 6 they have actually done measurements, and it is it's 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 a chunk smaller than the D six, mm-hmm. so that's good. And I'm sure it's going to have a new type of battery that that will hopefully be like super amazing. Yeah, I mean you'd hope for Last a gripped trailer. body. That's part of the advantage of a gripped body. So yeah, yeah, it would be it would be nice to see um, this particular camera, you know, get back that like three day battery life or whatever. Oh yeah. That was, that would be anyway. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. For that you used to have with those, uh, like one DX two and stuff like that. Um, so oh. what do you think, uh, frames per second we're looking at? We, we are, there's no information on this except it has a new processor and a stacked sensor. So we're, right. you know, where do you think that's all going to land? My guess is that it's going to shoot 20 frames a second, both electronic and mechanical. That's okay. think that's what I think it's big thing is going to be is that when you switch to mechanical, you're still getting 20 frames a second. Mm. Um, that That's just my prediction. I don't think it's going to go up to 30. First off, it seems like 30 is a little bit of a... Um, it seems like the A1 is, is in actual use closer to 15 to 20 most of the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that... I mean, that just is the way that these cameras are. It's like in use with autofocus and everything else, it's, it's significantly lower. But you keep raising that bar so that, you know, eventually it will be where you are shooting 20 frames a second with full autofocus and tracking mm-hmm. and everything else. But I'm, I'm guessing that it's going to shoot 20 frames a second, mechanical and electronic. Um, I think it's going to be blackout free. I think I mean, it's going to, they yeah. they will have done that. It better be, I guess. Yeah. At this point it better be. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's going to shoot AK. They confirmed it's going to shoot AK. So that means that the minimum is around 50 megapixels, 45 mm-hmm. to 50 megapixels. I guess the there is the potential. Like there's a little room that that AK could mean, um, I guess time lapses or something like it did with the uh, the D850. But uh, no, it, it, they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't announce that in the. It definitely means that. Um, uh, it definitely means that the sensors that resolution uh, at least fifty. I guess I guess forty five. It could be as low it as forty five. This is eight K video recording. It, it, it says that. So that doesn't mean time lapse. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really hoping for that. I mean, it's, it definitely seems like that's what they're saying. It's going to be really in- interesting to see how it's implemented. Is it a one implementation where it's you can base if you have enough card space, you can record it no problem. Is it R five implementation with overheating or? It's hard to know with time not, with Nikon and video. It can they'll either surprise you or, or it just won't be. Well, Nikon's been moving in this direction of 
really improving their video, not dissimilar from from Fuji. I mean, these are two companies that 2015, 2016 were just, they weren't even in the conversation, and they are now. Right. And this is a, a big opportunity for Nikon. I'm trying not to get too um, wish casty here, as, as we were saying earlier. But right. um, I think that there is potential that we could see some of the, the raw recording capabilities um, very seriously that we found in the um, uh, that we've found in the you know, external recording on the R6 and on the Z7, excuse me, the Z6 and the Z7 yeah, cameras. Yeah, the Z6 and Z7, yeah. Um, that we're going to be able to see that on this camera. Uh, and I'm, I'm partially basing that off of the fact that the 1DX3 shoots raw video internal. Yes, um, yes. So that means the R1 is going to shoot raw internal video and, and more usable, like it's not just 8K like it is on the R5, which is great that it has that feature. But if they could get, um, you know, 4K raw recording in this camera and 10-bit uh, with N-log internal recording on this camera, mm -hmm. I mean, I think mm -hmm. we've talked about it before. There's a lot of features floating around Nikon right now um, that are kind of in this world of external recording that if they get it into the camera, the, the, the conversation really starts to shift from, from right. Nikon being kind of the, you know, behind the other camera companies with certain features that kind of excel beyond them, like uh, the Z6 II handles 4K60 recording. I can say firsthand experience handles it better than the R6 does. Um, and it also can shoot raw. The R6 can't. Um, right. Sony doesn't right. have anything that competes with it at that price point. Um, yeah, I mean, it is true when you really think about it that for the price point, Nikon is bringing some video features yeah. That well, and then you know it's been said before, but it bears repeating that that Nikon does not have a cinema line to protect. Mm -hmm. Both Canon, Sony, Panasonic, all these other companies. Um, I don't know about no, obviously not Fuji, but mm -hmm. Fuji has these those cinema lenses, those Fujinon cinema lenses that are super cool, but they don't have a cinema line of cameras. But Nikon, this could be the top. Like, and if they're really invested in the future and stuff, they could, they're not, they're not going to be hurting anything by throwing the kitchen sink at cameras like this mm -hmm. and really capturing attention of a market segment that is continuing to grow. Mm -hmm. um, this kind of middle pro tier um, ca uh, camera segment is, mm -hmm. it's just, it's, it's just continuing to grow, especially as video is like, the future of social media is video. I think stills are are not as are not really going to be a factor that much in social media in the future. Mm -hmm. um, which is it's interesting. Like it's just like you know you look at TikTok and now Instagram and everything. Mm -hmm. It's just video is the future for a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. I think stills is are always going to have their place. They're going to be important for things. Well, I think stills are. Uh, I think stills are more entertaining to shoot. Maybe like, I think it's funner to engage with stills, but we can talk about that on a different. Yeah. Yeah, different, that's true. Different day. But I agree. I think that more and more shooters are going to, I think more and more shooters are going to be hybrid just in general, but I think yeah. more and more shooters are going to start being videos. The, the first thing that they do and photos are, are the, the second thing that they do. Right. Well, and 
if you're a Canon or a Sony shooter right now, you need to be hoping that Nikon does this. Mm-hmm. You need to be hoping that Nikon is doing this because that will finally force Sony and Canon's hand on some stuff mm-hmm. that they just have been holding out on forever because they want it in the cinema line. But if 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 this camera, if the Z9 is able to compete with something like the the FX5 or I don't even FX6, know all, I don't even yeah. know all of the uh, <laughs> the cinema cameras the you know the C300 or whatever mm-hmm. um, if it really is able to compete with those uh, Canon and Sony are going to be forced to start bringing those features down into the cameras which is just going to make it better for everyone because cinema is going to kind of end well, I don't know if it's cinemas, the cinema. Well, no, it's not going to end, gonna... but you're not going to be. Yeah. Yeah. No, that I didn't mean that. But well, you do have a you're touching on a point, though, that there's a certain brand of person that's using a cinema camera because of certain very specific features that aren't just the shape of the camera. Cause that's like the number one thing is the shape of the camera is just more right useful for working with a team because that's really like the the uh, C500 is so huge because, you know, for a reason. There's three people working on the camera on set at any given time. So you need a lot of space for everyone to kind of work around the camera, plug all the stuff that needs to be plugged into it. Um, right. You need buttons on all the sides. And um, it's just, it's, that's a completely different situation than like one person trying to shoot an independent documentary or or something like right. that. Or just content on exactly on, yeah. because you know we, we've touched on this before but it, you know it the content is really changing in just globally mm-hmm. like how content is consumed and who is making it is just it's regular people are making are, are like a lot more content out there is being consumed by regular people mm-hmm. than ever before and giving people better tools to do that with like mm-hmm. it is in a lot of ways, it's a rush to do that. You know, it, it will be. Mm-hmm. Well, I and feel tools like. built for like as much as there's a tool built for three people doing a high production or a production company doing a high end production, there's going to be tools for one person doing a high end, like one videographer doing a production yeah. with, uh, you know, high quality standards. And that's just. That's I think that's the direction things are going. That's what Black Magic's gambling their whole their whole business structure on. Right. I right. mean they have the Ursa the Ursa form factor cameras, but even those are, you know, a little smaller, a little more angled at that direction. So if the Z nine kind of pulls a lot of the stuff together and, and there's a bunch of like little things Nikon needs to do. They need to remove the record limit. Yep. Um they need to do that. That's more important than eight K. I honestly think it is in there. We're putting AK in there, but that doesn't mean they're removing the the record limit. Right. Um, they need to remove that because, and Canon needs to too. That's just something Sony's holding over their heads at yep. this point. At this point it is. Uh, because a lot of people are sitting in front of their cameras and talking for a long time and then chopping that footage up and stuff like that. And you can use external recorders and stuff. We're using one right now on a camera with a record limit and, doesn't have one because we're using a recorder, but right. those kinds of workarounds are, aren't something you necessarily want to focus on. 
Right. It is nice being able to just point your camera at something and press record and just let it do its thing. It is, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we may be over-wishing on the video on this camera. I mean, I think that Nikon's probably looking at it as being sold to sports and wildlife photographers and, well, and landscape photographers and, and a lot of in-between. Upping the megapixels allows you to do that. I think another advantage, and this doesn't have to be an advantage for the Z9, like I think Canon and Sony could do something about it, is that Nikon's the only company right now doing tiered raw file sizes. Mm -hmm. So like on a Z7, Z7 II, D850, you can select, oh, I would like to shoot 24 megapixel raw files right now. Mm -hmm. Raw files, not JPEGs, raw files. And oh, I think I would like to shoot um, even, I think, 12 megapixel raw mm -hmm. files. Like So you have m tiers of raw files. So you put a 60 megapixel sensor in here, you're still going to have your wildlife shooters are going to be like, or your wedding shooters or whatever. They'd be like, oh, I, you know, I only need 20 megapixels. So, mm -hmm. and I want the, the buffer and frame rate to, to work. So I'll do that. I do not understand why Sony and Canon won't do this. It's, it, mm -hmm. it seems relatively simple and you don't lose um, image quality. In my, in my opinion, from a, you're probably not getting quite as good high ISO, right? You know, so you know you're not getting bigger pixels. Mm -hmm. So like it's in that in that sense, the the on the Z7, if you're shooting in 24 megapixel mode, it's not the same as shooting on a Z6, right? Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, you're not losing sharpness or dynamic range or anything like that. And I suppose it depends on how it's doing it because downsampling can provide you with a better image. I mean, we know that from video at this point mm -hmm. where it can, it can, it can make an image sharper and it actually can make an image cleaner too. That's how it works with video. So I don't, I don't know if that's how it works with stills. Maybe we should do some tests on that. Yeah, no joke. We maybe should um, and figure out kind of what and the, what, what happens when you do that. Another rumor I've, well, it's only sort of a rumor, but something that I would like to see is them get the native ISO down even lower than 64. Now, obviously, 64 is great, and you do see a dynamic range bump mm -hmm. from ISO 64 to ISO 100, you know, which is what Canon and, and Sony are shooting. But if they could get it down to 50, like you get even more of that, that, that dynamic range in camera, mm -hmm. like that would be amazing. Like the ISO 64, now I'm shooting with the, the Z7 some uh, again, like I really is, it, it adds a level of, of dynamic range that I really like editing with. So, mm -hmm. so to see that even get down lower. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, I, th I think that the, you know, the, the real core of the Z9 though is, is a, a little bit of a statement from Nikon that's, Nikon's not done yet and I don't entirely know where the Nikon's done whole thing exactly is coming from well I think partly it is is that like people need to do what we're doing right now is make content about the different companies and everything mm -hmm. and it seems like there always has to be one of the companies that's being beat up on well, and one of the companies that's doing just so amazing, right. As well, and they've they're they're they are. I mean, if you look, they're they're taking turns. Mm -hmm. Like for a long time, 
Sony was a little bit of a joke, a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think people started taking them seriously fairly quickly, but especially as, as people started switching to them because the great Sony Switchathon was probably, what was that, 2015 to 2016? Kind of uh, R2, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, R2, 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 right around the A7R2 time. And then in that time, uh, Canon became the whipping boy of the industry. They released the... the uh, 6D Mark II. 6D Mark II and the 5D Mark IV, which were both like great cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, we both, I used the 5D Mark IV professionally for over a year mm-hmm. and it was a great camera. It wasn't state of the art in comparison, but mm-hmm. but it well, they really were. Like everyone was like, Canon is going to leave. And people were saying that about Canon. And then Canon now announced, you know, the R5 and the uh, 1DX3 and the R6 and now all of a sudden Canon is, you know, mm-hmm. back on top with Sony and, and it just is a rotation. So I think that's part of it. I feel like you have to create a narrative and, you know, there has to be somebody, you know, there has to be a, a loser or whatever it feels mm-hmm. like, even though I don't think that's actually true. Well, and I think that it just shows that camera companies have a lot more, they can survive on a lot less than people think because the Olympus keeps limping onward like everyone thought they shut down and they're still selling cameras and lenses with plans to release more. Like I, I realize that they're not ever going to be, you know, Olympus doesn't have the potential like Nikon does to become top dog with just the decision, the path they decided to go down. Right. But that right. doesn't mean there's not space for them. Like I think I read in an article that right now the mirrorless market, uh, Nikon owns um, 7% of it. 7% of an international market that has many companies involved, many companies that have been doing it for a long time. And I think people miss that Canon in their EOS M line has been going for a long time. They've been doing their mirrorless line. Right. And Nikon's sort of response to M was the Nikon one line of cameras right. that was not successful. No. It was a tiny sensor format. It was and one inch, wasn't it? Something like it was like an interchangeable one inch sensor line oh, that just gosh, did not disaster did not go well and um, no one bought it. So when you look at Canon's mirrorless share, uh, they're wildly successful M lines in there. Um, and when you look at Sony, you're talking about a camera company since the Nexus line that's been making mirrorless cameras and they're all over the place. Right now, like, yes, and uh, Sony's done a great job building their mirrorless market for a long time. And Nikon is two years in, despite all of that, two, two, two and a half years by now, yeah, I guess. two and a half, yeah, no, no more like two years because it was halfway through 2018, I guess. They announced it in July 2018, um, so and this is March 2021, yeah, so I guess with two and a half years, yeah. Um, and they've got 7% market share. That's really, to me, that doesn't sound that bad. Right. Well, and then, you know, Nikon, ultimately, I think what they're wanting and they're going to see more of is like they, they've been banking on DSLRs. They've been the only one still kind of releasing DSLRs. Last year, they released the D780, mm-hmm. um, the D6, mm-hmm. right? And then the D850 is the only DSLR that still competes. Mm-hmm. Like the D850, that's what's amazing about the D850 is that it still competes. You could buy a D850 right now and you're going to be shooting, you know, you have an, an a uh, OVF version, you know, of the 
of the Z7 in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like in the image quality is going to be as good as anything that the the more modern cameras are uh, mirrorless cameras are shooting. So mm-hmm. that's what's amazing. And I think Nikon's looking at it and they're like, okay, we want to keep our D850 customers and our D6 customers. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna, you know, we're gonna start converting them over, and they're gonna start moving over into mirrorless. You know, some of them already have, but a lot of them will probably over the next two, three years. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at the lifespan of the D850; it's probably gonna really start hitting a wall. I mean, if you're shooting video, they hit the wall a long time ago. But I mean, I guess it depends if you need autofocus or not. Right. Exactly. Um, it hit the wall immediately if you needed autofocus, <laughs> um, but. Yeah, so I think that Nikon is there. They're saying like, "Well, we're gonna get a chunk of of those people," and you know, Sony was completely dependent on both new people entering the market, like Brandon, who's on the show quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Like he entered the market. I mean, he had a a cheap T3i. Canon, a T three I, whatever, for a minute. That's that that doesn't really count. He entered the market with Sony, right? Mm-hmm. And and uh, but and in a lot of ways, you did too. Yeah, my first interchangeable lens camera was a Sony. It was an A-mount right. Sony. Which right, that's hilarious. If you know, if you even know what I'm talking about, that's impressive. So I think that, that Sony's had that, and then they've had switching. And mm-hmm. and Canon and Nikon haven't had that. You have people holding on to them. People hold, and then, you know, 5D Mark IVs, a lot of people are still shooting a lot with Canon 5D Mark IVs. Mm-hmm. They just don't. Well, and I think that people also need to understand that um, something I've observed over many years of watching YouTube camera media is uh, people feel the need or, or or I think it's somewhat easy to make a video about why you switch to a system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because it, it takes a lot of energy and time and thought processing to, to figure out if you really want to switch. And that turns into videos that also get views. Um, so I think that... Y- when people talk about the great Sony switch, like not that many people switched in the grand scheme of things. Canon still owns the camera market. Yeah, they really Um, do. They really like, they really, really do. And the YouTube community was a self-selecting group of people because to some degree they're interested in video, right? Sony was killing it with video for many years uh, over what, uh, what Canon and, and Nikon were offering. And um, that self-selecting group that also, you know, had incentives to make videos about switching, they made those videos. But I think in the end, the market's not as different, I think, as people... I mean, it's different in that Sony's a big player now and owns a significant amount of market share, but it's not like Canon and Nikon lost 90% of their customers to Sony in their... Right, I mean, it's true. It is true. And... What the also another thing to keep in mind is that that people the camera market is changing not because people are switching to another system but because they're leaving altogether because they're mm-hmm. they're they they don't need a camera anymore mm-hmm. like there was a you know the 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 need for a camera has shifted up into professional enthusiast right mm-hmm. it's and it keeps going up and up and up and I think eventually it will kind of cap out at, I honestly think that there's a chance that within five years, you're looking at the the kind of the bottom of the market being like a Z6, mm-hmm. you know, like that being the bottom. 
because you know what would you need because a cell phone is going to be able to do everything kind of below that right mm -hmm. like it's 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 in it's infringing even on APS-C and maybe maybe like a Z50 or a uh, um 6400 6600 mm -hmm. maybe maybe that really would be the bottom like the a, a mm -hmm. high end APS-C body if it's still those are uh so much those are a lot higher end cameras much more capable than they used to be right like that bottom tier right that bottom tier used to be just yeah yeah and people like I, I think that 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 edge will survive because sometimes people do just need a camera because they can't use their phone I was listening to a podcast recently um, and they were talking about how he was trying to shoot this tabletop like looking down and he was trying to use his phone over a couple days shoot and didn't want the camera to move, which was his phone. Oh, um, yeah. And uh, and suddenly realized that he he needed to use his GoPro because he just needed it to not move. He needed just the camera to be separate from his phone, which is right. the the big trade off with your camera being in your phone is that your camera's in your phone. So if you want to do something specific, like take a time lapse or shoot video or whatever it is you're trying to do, it's um, true. Rig out your camera your which is then your phone, then your your phone doesn't do as good of a job being a phone. Well, um, and the also something that's designed to do something specific, you know, mm -hmm. is always going to be a better tool if it needs to be a tool, right? Mm -hmm. Like taking pictures of your kids at Disney World or filming a school play or, you know, mm -hmm. um you know, texting your wife a shot of, of the soap that she was wanting and, and if it was the correct soap, right? Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of thing, a, a cell phone camera is great for, right? You, mm -hmm. it doesn't, you don't need a different tool than that. The cell phone is the tool, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're going to share those videos or that, that photo. It needs to go to someone else. You know, that's mm -hmm. the tool. Um, I do think that eventually that, that cell phone uh, progress with cameras is going, is, is, well, it is decelerating. Mm -hmm. Right. It's already, it's not what it was where every time it was mind blowing how much better now mm -hmm. it's just a little better. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like with this most recent iPhone release, a lot of people were like, Oh, these new cameras are going to be unbelievable. And then they got them in their hands. And they're like, well, I guess I see a, a difference. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's kind of the, 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 if you're, and if you were not a, a, a pro and, you know, really examining them, you wouldn't see a difference. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and because of that deceleration, I think there's going to be people who are be like, well, maybe I do want a, a camera specific, right? Mm -hmm. Especially if cameras can start getting in some of these features, um, better shareability, but more I'm thinking, you know, shareability, yes, yes and no. Mm -hmm. But I think more like machine learning and, and some of those stuff, some mm -hmm. of the algorithms for that uh, like, you know, the, the instant HDR and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Like if you could get an HDR photo handheld with a professional camera, that's a raw file that, you know, you import and it's a raw file using multiple images, mm -hmm. like, like, you know, an iPhone does now, that's going to be amazing. Mm -hmm. Like, and you see how much better is that going to be than an iPhone version of that? You know, if mm -hmm. you do a 60 megapixel, megapixel, Mm -hmm. uh, mega pickle. Oh, oh dear. Yeah. That's another thing altogether. Um, if you do a 60 megapixel, you know, 
HDR raw file, mm-hmm. you know, with how many stops of dynamic range is that? Because it's, you know, 15 stops in every direction, right? I, you mm-hmm. know, who, like, it's it's on another level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can do that, you know, bracketed or whatever, but that's not very straightforward mm-hmm. and requires a learning curve and, and a lot of editing and, 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 uh, and also taste. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people get a HDR photo um, in their hands and, and they immediately make something so horrible. Yeah, there's been some <laughs> unfortunate, unfortunate things that have been made with HDR. Hashtag that was me a few years ago. I remember making my first HDR and I just, I went crazy. Mm-hmm. It just, it looked, it looked so horrible. But, um, well, that's probably about what we have time. Do you have any last thoughts about the, the Nikon Z9? I, I think that it's uh, it's encouraging as someone who just switched to Nikon. Um, I'm very happy it's there, which is funny because we talked about on the last episode that uh, just because they're adding features at the top end doesn't mean that you know it makes your camera any better. Right? But doesn't make your camera any better. Right? And we did talk better. about that. It doesn't do that, but you know there is the the element of uh, it's nice to see Nikon doing something innovative. They they are the first one with a mirrorless gripped pro body and um you know obviously the a1 in function is just as capable but i think that the uh the gripped body is nice to see finally and it is nice it is nice to see i'm seeing on here that it's rumored that it's going to have 16-bit raw now that would be a big deal because mm-hmm. um, it's 14-bit right now with everybody else mm-hmm. including the z72 unless you're shooting hasselblad right so 16-bit raw, that would be a big deal. So that, that'll that be the parting thought is that if 16-bit raw is there, and that would be for stills, not for video. We probably confused people so bad with bouncing between stills and video so much. Yeah, like, yeah, whatever. It's yeah. it's rough <laughs> how they how they, how they they match up. Yeah, it is. Um, all right, well, if you enjoyed this video, we would love it if you'd hit the like button and uh, subscribe for more fun uh, camera content and mountain content. We have a brand new vlog out mm-hmm. that you should go check out. And uh, yeah, we will uh, see you on the next adventure. Yeah, bye.